Hello, and welcome to the Rules of Acquisition Remix. I'm your host, one-third of the Kickers of Elves, Hugh Crawford. You can find me on Instagram at HughBot underscore Crawford. Today, we will be listening to Playing God, an episode that we released on October 17th, 2016. Stick around after the episode for some, uh, you know, information about thoughts and uh, information about this episode. All right, here is Playing God. Ambien. Lunestra. Oh yeah. Halcyon. Valium. Oh yeah. Melitonin. A warm glass of milk. Oh yeah. It's time for ZZZZZ. I can't make a good snoring sound. Hello and welcome to the rules of acquisition <laughs> a podcast where we talk about the greatest tv show in this universe before it's superseded by another small pocket universe i guess maybe that maybe has better tv shows who knows <laughs> things work differently there uh, we're talking about star trek pocket universes are all full of hope so yes <laughs> yes uh, yes we're talking about star trek Deep Space Nine. With me, as always, is James Nolan. Hello. And Hugh Crawford. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. Uh, and my name is Wade Bowen, of course. And we are talking about an episode called We Are Playing God Tonight. Yes. Yes. This, the name of this episode is Playing God. It is actually the 17th episode of season two. This originally aired February 27th, 1994. The IMDb description is as follows. A Trill named Arjun comes to DS9 to learn what it is to be a Trill with a symbiont, but finds his teacher, Dax, to be less than he expected. Um, that's all of the IMDb description. What it leaves out is the turn in the second act where it becomes very Star Trek-y. <laughs> yes. And, and we have a problem... Uh, that everybody suddenly has to deal with. Yeah, this is another A, B, C plot. Yeah. And possibly a D or like a, it's like a C and a half plot. They they fit a lot into this one. They do. And But I mean, it's ostensibly just another Jadzia episode. Half? I mean, it's mostly focused on... But it's like it gets taken over. It's an Arjun episode. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we all been wanting that Arjun episode. Yeah. Yeah, we all love that Arjun. Well, it's an Arjun episode. I mean, but still, of all the Jadzia episodes we've had, she gets to actually do the most in this one than that she is... had. Every other Jadzia-focused episode, she's either been unconscious <laughs> or just on trial and not <laughs> right. talking. Or, yeah, or it's, not talking to her lawyer. It's just too bad she's got to do all that stuff with Arjun. I think that's the <laughs> that's the, the hook here. Yeah. It's yeah. just too bad that Arjun has to be in this episode. Yeah. Well, it's the same way that most of the characters, I feel like, get fleshed out. Well, the characters we don't like, anyways, mm -hmm. get fleshed out once they get paired with somebody else. Like, Bashir is a lot better when you have O'Brien or Garrick next to him. Yeah. Finally, they have somebody as a foil or to elucidate better what Jadzia is about. Because my whole thesis for this episode, honestly, is that this is finally we're getting uh, every Jadzia episode up until this point has been talking about what it means to be a Trill and whether she is Jadzia or whether she's Curzon Dax and whether she has to be culpable for everything 
of our previous host. And to me, this is finally, this finally answers the question of whether Jadzia Dax is Curzon Dax or not. Mm. It finally answers the trill question for me because they go out of their way to throw. Th- she answers it in a full, like, I'm fully Jadzia and I'm trying to figure out what Dax is. Right. Or how Dax fits into that equation. Yeah. And they kind of, they kind of portray trills in a different way than they have a little bit that kind of better. I don't know. I actually really liked this episode. Yeah. I think maybe we should hear why Wade likes this episode because I am, I am, I'm in the other camp. You're, yeah, I know. I, I feel like I got a, a firm ending. So my issue with this is like, I think the way they describe trills and the whole sort of philosophy of trills in this episode makes me like, I get it. Like logically I get it mm-hmm. more than I did at the end of like Dax from the first season, that episode or, or, the one with John Glover, is that his name? Yeah. But this is like the one that where I just felt like, okay, now I don't even understand why anyone would go through this. You have to push for like, <laughs> like you go, <laughs> like, like you have to like, you have to be pushed to find out who you are as a person and develop dreams and goals and ideologies. And then we're going to stick a worm in you that's going to warp that. Like that's like, I don't. Well, yeah, you have to know who you are. But yeah, you you stick a worm into you so that you get immortality. Basically, your memories get carried on. That's why it seems like a a big deal to me. Like, oh, but you've changed. You're right. Okay, you're right that your existence and your personality gets to live. But and and I think that they finally done a good job to make Jadzia Dax as a character, at least on the page, and at least in theory, an interesting character. Yeah, like someone that you know, like if you hadn't seen Jadzia in twenty years, you'd still talk about loving to hang out with Jadzia. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't have forgot her. She's a memorable person. Like, I get all of that. So what you're saying about basically storing their memories in the heart, in a hard drive to last for immortality? Yeah. For time immemorial, that's better. I'm not that, that that's the only reason to do it. But. but it seems like so fucked up. It's like, go find yourself. And then once you are found yourself, then we'll fuck it up. Yeah. And I don't think it's like marriage, which it seems like immediately I was like, well, the counterbalance would be that you have to be a whole person before you can be an active member of a marriage. But still... Ma- your wife isn't talking in your head. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, it's not like, this is different. This is warping who you are. Yeah, I would say that this episode does kind of portray a whole different shift in the whole world building of what it me of what trills are to an aspect. Mm-hmm. Because up until this point, it's all been about like, cause they've basically been telling you're the same person, but you're a melding of the two, but the person lives on. And even in that last Dax episode where John Glover tries to take over and Jadzia keeps telling him, no, it's because you're not a good candidate for having a symbiont, which felt like bullshit at the time. And then in this episode, she's like, no, because if you're not, a powerful enough personality your personality gets superseded and wiped away by the symbiont which if they had sold that in the john glover episode that would make a total sense why he was not suitable for symbiosis because yeah he was a weak mediocre guy and he did get he did get kind of wiped out by the dax personality yeah but that's a new spin on the trill thing in this episode that hasn't quite been there but at the same time i could also see this whole episode as a meta commentary on terry Farrell and how they acclimate to getting her oh my god but i'll talk oh. about that at the end of the episode once oh, we get okay i want to unpack a little bit of terry Farrell's performance in this since it isn't mostly 
about her. Yeah, yeah I, I have thought she was fine. I thought I this is the first one where she. I I thought she was good in this one. As, as, yeah. as, as she's as good as she's been in this show in this episode. As far as I, I think, let me let me. I won't go so far as to say that I think she's good. I think she's better. <laughs> I think she's getting better. And obviously, we we've. What's wrong with it, James? Um, what, what was wrong with her in uh, this that she wasn't good? No, it's not as clear cut as you, it's not you, as well we, well it's is it so, some people have said it before right is that how it is is that some people are saying that she's not good <laughs> we we've said it before a lot of people have been saying it there's a lot of a lot of people out there saying that she she's not been good. good i'm not saying it i don't i'm not i'm not committing one way or the other all the people that we've had on our podcast that have been <laughs> saying how bad she is all those people you, you're not <laughs> saying she's bad no i'm gonna you say know, all the guests that we've had so far it's not clear cut. We should stop and until we figure out what's going on with, with Terry Farrell. No, listen. What do you mean it's not clear cut? What particular scene rubbed you the wrong way where you felt like she wasn't carrying water or okay. good? I think that the character now of Jedzia is now officially a complicated character. Mm-hmm. You see her in this be like super fun loving, having a good time with a bunch of Ferengis playing Tongo. Tongo, not Dabo. Tongo's what? Tongo's poker, Dabo's roulette, as far as I can tell. But sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but they were playing Tongo, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Space poker. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, and then they you see her pick up a little piece of side ass from some sort of strange alien. Yeah, man. a wrestler. A wrestler, yes. Who looks suspiciously like if the aliens from the episode The Rules of Acquisition in the Gamma Quadrant, yes. if they had actually good makeup instead of the shitty just <laughs> put red paint on their face, that's what they would... Yeah, they picked them up at the same gym yeah, that they picked up those guys. Right, that, they would look like this guy <laughs> if they were better aliens in that episode. Exactly. They had to pay this guy more than 20 bucks, though, because they did more than just right. grease paint. Right. Um, okay, so you see that. Then you see R.B. sort of strangely, almost like uh, Anne Bancrofty with him in there. Not like seductive, but just like sort of flip and like, you know, sort of interestingly disengaged from him. Mm-hmm. And then she has to be sort of like a tough bitch at one point. Uh-huh. And then she has to be like sort of a warm nurturer. There's a lot going on. And I don't think that each curve was a smooth transition. Now, I think that she was great, but I think that the scenes that she was great in are I think she was great in the scene with Cisco. I think she was really good in that scene, mm-hmm. which I like that because that's the first time I think you've seen that reversal where Cisco is actually mentoring her. her. Yeah, yeah. Right. So usually it's the other way around. Right. Well, and this is the first one where she's not the old man. She's trying to be Jadzia instead yeah. of Curzon. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I like it. I mean, I just, I, I like, I, I even hate talking about it because I think she's better. So you think. I think she's good and I think she gets there and I ends up loving her that character in the show. And I'm getting, and this is things in this episode are reasons why I love her character in the show. I just, you know. Like, so, so you let me get this straight. She's you don't better. think that her characterization from one scene to the other actually matches up. You think it felt, like felt a like a disp- full character. It, fo- it felt like she was reading the emotion at the top of the page and then still kind of just portraying that emotion. Uh, okay. Not as we were seeing different facets of one person. Well, I mean, I would argue that for a trill that has had so many different personalities that might be applicable, except I didn't see that. I saw that it was fairly, cons- I thought for me, anyways, mm-hmm. that the on the page, she might have been just playing at the top of the page, but the way it was written, it sold to me that she was, it made sense from one scene to another, her different characterization. She doesn't want to be Curzon Dax, but at the same time, she's kind of a hard ass and she's, she's playful and mm-hmm. she doesn't want to be, polite hmm. which is the guiding theme throughout all of this that's for that character that's true one thing i'll say about her that i think is like what separates the the avery brookses 
and the Rene Abergenois from the Alexander Sadigs. And even on Next Generation, I think what separates the cards from the Rikers. Yes. Yeah. Is that when you have a scene, and maybe not Riker, but like, let's say. Uh, no, Riker. Yeah, probably Riker. <laughs> Riker. Yeah, the no, arts. but like, okay, when you're doing just a series of just technobabble, like technobabble type stuff, when you're just doing like, you you know, we can clear this with four, four meters. We got this from the Omicron particles are going to like, can you do this with some personality? Because I understand that it. it's tough. Um, Jordy LaForge, LeVar Burton yes. was the best yes, he was. at that. LeVar Burton was great. Worf, Michael Doran ended up getting good at it, but it took a while. Yeah. They don't exactly have him say a lot. Of yeah, that's true. Right, yeah. They have him say a lot of Klingon babble. Where yeah, that's just true. like, we should kill them. And they're like, shut up, Worf. That's yeah, he's naturally did. written with more emotion. He doesn't have to like talk about Omicron particles and 14 <laughs> yeah. CC down the starboard nacelle side, you know, like that kind of stuff. Yeah, actually, in this episode, Kira's right. kind of the Worf of this episode. She's like, kill him. And they're like, shut I up, love, Kira. I love Kira. <laughs> I love Kira in this episode. I wrote that down. Mm-hmm. I was like, Kira is like a woman after my own heart in this episode. I was like, kill this fucking thing. Like, I don't yeah, understand. We'll get to that. But I'm sorry, continue your thoughts. It's like stepping on ants. But for our audience, they don't know what we're talking about. We're talking about after Arjun is done dicking around with Dax and kind of being a sad sack mope. And after, you know, she's done having baby oil wrestling matches, the rest (laughs) of the DS9. Can we talk about the wrestling? Because I loved the wrestling because I just read it as fucking... Because that's what I like about Dax. Yeah. And, yes. and like, oh, we can't have her just having sex with this random dude. But that's what she was doing. It was random. Even, even though they sold it as it was wrestling and she sells it, tells Arjun, they're like, oh, you should take it up. And it's the best thing to do in the morning. Yeah. I'm going to, for my own benefit, believe that she's telling Arjun to get laid yeah. by this guy. Because, you know, she's a trill. She doesn't have any inhibitions about <laughs> same-sex <laughs> coupling or anything. She's like, for, mm-hmm. every time she says wrestling in this episode, I'm saying, you should fuck this guy. Or you should have Because <laughs> he's an alien, too. He probably doesn't have a problem with that, you know. Yeah. Right. And they've sold it as wrestling. But no, I totally agree. I totally agree. They, you they really were... ought to let this guy slip an oily <laughs> finger in. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the that's the decks I want in this episode. Is this the point where I want to wedge in that the actor who plays Argent is the same guy who played the asshole boyfriend in Forrest Gump? Uh, I guess you just did. Janney's boyfriend? Uh, oh, my God. Well... I didn't, it was like the so this was a big year for him because this came out in 1994 so oh my god Focus it was Go. yeah Ooh. this was yeah yeah this is huge for him no wonder he wasn't a recurring character because like we can't afford this guy he was in Forrest Gump he's yeah. a big man on campus now right yeah. well this guy this guy got on my nerves he had like a weird English accent that he couldn't pull off I agree did you, did you guys pick up on that at all I did not yeah he was talking in like the standard Star Trek affect that a lot of actors bring to the show unfortunately yeah because I think they're doing Shakespeare yeah or something or i don't know like it's a you know it's an affect that they that they're bringing in they're mistaking it for characterization and it's just Mm -hmm. distracting it's not characterization i thought he was fine i liked it i liked arjun but oh my god i'm sorry i I already interrupted with the wrestling thing so you can go ahead you liked arjun No, I was just moving the plot along <laughs> a little bit with when you guys we were talking about stepping on ants and and uh, oh, yeah. James identifying with Kira. What we were talking about is DS Nine crew discovers a baby universe. Yes, that is slowly taking over our own universe, and it has for some reason decided to start with DS Nine. Well, they brought it. It's not even. It's not even clear that it's taking over our universe. This is well, the Vols, which is plot C. Yeah, like we we didn't even get to Cardassian Vols. We need to cover that shit before we get to new universe. The Vols then knocked the universe. This is a 
goofy plot. I love the Cardassian bulls. We get anytime we get fucking Muppets in here, man. I'm a boy. <laughs> okay, so real quick, uh, Arjun is having to like sort of intern yeah, yeah. with Dex. <laughs> they go off to the Gamma Quadrant for reasons. They end up hitting something that breaks the nacelle on the starboard side. They call it seaweed. Right, subspace seaweed. They bring it back. They put it in a containment field. It turns out that it's a new universe, and then they go to bed. And while they're in bed, a Cardassian vol, which they have some sort of infestation of. Yeah, that's the B plot, I guess. And they're like giant skinless cats. Yeah, and then the the vol knocks it into a hole in the wall, and now the ship is going to explode. The vol eats through the wires because voles, Cardassian voles, are attracted to electromagnetic fields. So the vol eats through something and disrupts the containment field they had it in. That's what happened. He doesn't bat it and then, But it still, it goes into a hole, right? No, it expands because that's what... I clearly saw it go into a hole in the wall. Proto-universes expand and they have contractions every so often, apparently. Are you telling me that in this movie, in this show, let me get this right, both of you, that a blue ball didn't go into a hole, uh, like an unexplained hole in the wall? And then light come out of the hole? No, I I didn't see it go in in anything. I saw explosions. Am I crazy? And then there's light coming out the hole. I love the light coming out of the holes because it's fucking model practical effects and not CGI. Yeah. And it looked so much better than if they had tried to do it with CGI nowadays. I agree. But that was my opinion. But yeah, so that's... <laughs> and then so now the, the rest of the ship's going to explode until they figure out something to do with this universe. But it turns out that the universe has life in it has intel yes or they theorize intelligence potentially and then we get a whole i mean i i that's why i like well i have i'll, I'll get angry nerd corner about the universe later on but i mm. liked what they set up with the unit like yeah it might have intelligent life and so all the starfleet guys are like well we can't and, and odo because odo is like is is like we can't kill it now there might be people in there and then it's what, we, odo's one line is like a strong line in the sand about a moral ph philosophical issue right right well because he's been an understood a uh, misunderstood life form for so long mm -hmm. yes now we're getting into where right. i would well, let's, so let's I, back like, I will say i will say your love of this plot we line. Have that great fucking we finally call back Cisco has a moment, the first moment in this whole two seasons so far, I guess, second sight. About his death, his wife's death. Yeah, where he <laughs> thinks about, he goes back to Wolf 359 and reminisces on the Borg and, you know, the indifference. That, and I love okay, that. You're, you're right. All of these elements, all of these elements are fine and good, but they are Cuisinarded within like five minutes of this whole episode. Yeah, you gotta, <laughs> like, it, is, it in, gets goofy. Absolutely. Okay, so. And Cardassians too. And we love that episode. So now I, we usually start with this, but I'll, I'll, a little bit of the history of the script on this, because it's going to speak to some of some of the things you like about it. So Jim Trombetta wrote, came up with a story, pitched the story to Michael Piller. He wrote several episodes. I think he wrote The Forsaken, which we loved. Mm hmm. And several other episodes of this season. And this was the last thing he did for Deep Space Nine. And then he, I think he did one script for Voyager and then was off. Done with, done with Star Trek. But he wrote it in and then Michael Piller changed it. But in his original script, it is a story about finding a pocket universe and all of the necessary contemplative philosophical issues about how to handle this. Is it, you know, do you save your life? Do you look at them as a universe of ants or whatever? All of those things that we liked that were chopped up into this five minutes is good. That was the whole episode. And in the episode off to the side, it involved Dax and her 
our intern. Hmm. Michael Piller made the whole story about Dax and Arjun, and therefore, in doing that, he gave me whiplash. Yes. Because the first 30 minutes of this episode is all about Dax and Arjun and voles and seaweed. And then it becomes like this life or death issue where Cisco is like having to like ponder these weird things. And he goes in and he's talking to his thing. And then his son tells him that he's fallen in love with a Dabo girl. Like, we oh, I love that scene, too. I, I love that. scene. I love that scene in the in a different. That should be in a whole episode. Yeah. But all of these different things are happening. And I don't understand, like, where where the thread of this episode went. And then they get it back where Arjun's got to do some fancy flying. He's a good pilot, I guess. Right, he's a fifth level pilot. He's level five. He's level five. He's a yeah, level, he's a five. level five. He's only level three. <laughs> Even as we've seen in way back in the Siege episode when her and Kira are flying small A-wing Star Wars spaceships, uh-huh. is not a good pilot, and, and Kira's like, come on, just fly by your, the seat of your pants, you dummy. But whatever. Yeah. I think that Arjun got to be a level five pilot because he purchased an in-app purchase <laughs> that let him buy some coins. He's buying the Pokeballs. He's not and then he them. got the level. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Arjun is the totally that guy. It is weird to me that they pilot these runabouts totally without any steering wheel. It's just all keys. Mm-hmm. I don't know, but well, the whole show's that weird. That's angry nerd corner. That's fine. It, yeah. I don't have a problem with that, but it's interesting to me. It's not piloting. It's programming at some point. Mm-hmm. Like you're coding on the fly. <laughs> but yeah, no. So it comes back around to having this sort of theme about Dex and 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 Arjun. But the whole middle, I felt like it was. I I I literally felt like I had whiplash. See, I liked it. I liked, you know, I liked getting all that extra shit in there because, you know, maybe maybe I'm spoiled by thinking this is an episode. It's art television, prestige television. We can have all these different subplots going on that aren't the full episode, but we can jump in. And I I anticipated this critique because we (laughs) talked about it last week and you and you convinced me that the three plot lines in last week's episode were stronger because of that. And I think I bought it. And so I approached it this way, too. And in fact, you have the support Michael Piller said. Said that he was wanting to break it down where he did that, where he introduced the Dabo girl in this episode, and it doesn't get, it doesn't, I don't even think till season three, do you actually get the next conversation about the Dabo girl? Marta. That's her name. Yes. And so you have all of these different things that they're trying to do over a long term. And so that, those are noble goals. But this, yeah, that's the biggest I, problem. I'm sorry. I'm just like, I want to set up that Michael Pillar is the unsung hero of all this. Rest in peace. <laughs> yes. He's the best. He, he's the, you know. He had good ideas. He could have done them. Better. And we know how you feel about Ira Bear. So yeah. it's like, oh, uh, well. well. This but, is my, I, so I got a concrete reason why this doesn't work. Okay. It's because they have different themes. The Vols and the universe thing have the same theme. The theme of lower life forms and what do we kill versus what do we view as worthy of living. Mm. You have the vole storyline mixed with you know, because they're they're trying to hunt these voles and at first they say make sure that your phasers are on stun yeah, yeah. and then later Cisco says and then, no, switch them to kill. Kill those fuckers, I don't care anymore. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then later on they have the conversation about is this like stamping on ants and Kira takes my, my hard position of that life is a practical matter. See, I love, like, I love that everybody <laughs> turned on Kira. <laughs> life is balanced up against life. Yeah, no, I love the conversation too. And so that's a theme. Yeah, and they're like ants and Kira and Odo. I love Odo's 
I don't step on ants because I believe that he does it because, you know, he's, he's that's true. So that's the episode. I would believe that the Dax storyline would be stronger if it also married that theme, but it doesn't. It has the theme of finding yourself and being one with yourself and being a person. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, you don't right. be married to don't be married to destiny. Yeah. There's no like death, the you know, the balances of life kinds of issues in that storyline. And so I felt like that's why it felt so goofy you're true like, it, you're right it does have different themes in the other plot lines if that somehow dealt with death and what is a smaller life and i don't know how you i you know i i have a i have an idea of how to do it which right, i'll do right. at the end yeah but that's 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 all i you're right yeah i mean that's fair enough but i actually enjoyed the deck storyline enough that i'm not like trying i did i did and i think that we can all say that we're we're out of the like i enjoyed this episode yeah. Really? I think I enjoyed it the least. I think Arjun and his characterization... Move, okay, but Hugh... Uh, here's my fundamental problem with the Arjun and Dax storyline. Mm-hmm. The viewer, from a cultural standpoint, cannot pass judgment as to whether or not Dax is right or wrong. Dax is actually the best suited person to, to let us know whether or not this guy should be a trailer or not. Mm-hmm. We don't have that sort of information. So it's like we're almost, they're trying to convince us of something that we can't be convinced of. You know what I mean? Yeah. So all we're, it, it seems kind of frustrating in that way. Yeah. Does that make sense? I guess. Like there's this conflict as, as to whether or not he should do this. Well, I'm going to have to defer to Dax's expertise because I'm not a fucking trill. Well, I took it because she, she gives um, us new information in this one that the because he is being a sycophant to an extent where he's just saying what she wants to hear and her whole thing about like, sure. yeah, Jadzia was the best in her class too and then Curzon shut her down a pig because he, you know, he saw past her and and knew, knew actually, Curzon knew that if he kicked her out of the program, that she'd fight back and be a better candidate. No, that's my point, Wade. You and I are saying the same thing. Jadzia knows best, is what I'm saying. What you're saying is like, he is being a sick, all this stuff. Yes, J- of course, Jadzia is right about this whole thing. There's no real conflict. Yeah, but she also sets up better parameters for what makes a good host because this whole idea that you need a strong personality to combat so that the host doesn't overwhelm your pers- personality is a whole new concept that they've only introduced in this episode, and it changes the whole trill dynamic. Right. And it changes Jadzia's character to an extent in a way that fixes a lot of what's our problem or my problem specifically with Jadzia and Terry Farrell at this point. But I'll I'll get into my meta commentary later. Well, so. I mean, well, well, that's that's a good point, and I I want that's a good way to segue into your meta commentary. I think this is a good point to do that. I'm just saying she does all that. That new information pops up after we've been dwelling on the old information for 25 minutes yeah yeah so are you saying that you think that just to clarify you you're saying that because let's say what are the objectively the reasons why he wouldn't be a good trill is because he's just living through his father's dream for him right exactly right that seems to be the sort of the that's that was my art why do i care about why this strange dude gets to become a trill or not i'm watching it for 25 minutes him and haw over it it's got of no consequence to us or these characters why does and dax doesn't really care that much she's just doing it solid it's like no, why? She even says at some point. I could just say that. Go away, Arjun. Yeah. Nobody likes you. He's like the cousin Oliver of, <laughs> of freaking DS9 or something. <laughs> Nobody wants you around, Arjun. I can't really answer that question except that it's supposed to be about 
getting Dax to overcome the, the Cur- her issues with Curzon. Right, right. But uh, it didn't feel like she had that many issues to begin with. They didn't do a good job of establishing that. She was baby oil wrestling. <laughs> she was playing. Talk- she was yes. fine. These issues. She hadn't even thought about this shit in years. Until cousin Oliver comes over, she was fine, and then Oliver comes in, and and then then they bring, she brings up like how Curzon was such an asshole to her, and and even the way that she talks about Curzon up until this episode, they've talked about her as Curzon. This is the first time where she talks yeah, about Jadzia and how scared she was of Curzon, and she talks she talks about Curzon and Jadzia as third person separate from her, which is new. They haven't done that yet. That is new. But it also works well. And she's like, I'm Jadzia. I'm not Curzon, but I'm also Dax. And that's a whole different Trill dynamic than we've had. But this new type of Trill relationship and symbiote relationship works so much better for Terry Farrell than it has. They're trying to be the Spock character that they were trying to make in the first season. Right. I agree with that. And even at one point, Arjun says when he's seen her... I'm gonna say fucking this wrestler, though they didn't do that. <laughs> post fucking it's a post the post postcoital. She comes out in the towel and everything. Yeah. And he was like, I thought trills were supposed to be serene and wise. And she's like, Oh yeah, oh I'm not. But that's how the writers set up that character. So it's even the writers, this is my meta commentary right now. Even the writers, this is the writer's response to Terry Farrell and the Dax character is like, no, no, I thought that Trills were supposed to be serene and logical and wise. And she's like, why did you think? Oh, oh, I, and I'm not. And Arjun in this episode is almost the writer's proxy for how they thought about this character before Terry Farrell came in. I'm buying it. Okay, now that leads to a bigger question on my part, and maybe James can answer this because he's a little bit of our historian <laughs> uh, on what was like behind the scenes. I mean, as far as insofar as much as we have one, mm-hmm. James is the closest thing we have to it. So my my feeling was all through the first season is that Pharrell was underused, yes, and poorly written, yes. Is that a, as a result of what was going on off camera? They felt like they couldn't give her much because we I don't actually see her be that awful on screen in the first season. No more or less. In the first, she's no more or less awful than I don't know your complaints with Major mm. Kira. I agree. I agree. <laughs> I don't know. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I'll say. I'll say that. I, well, again, <laughs> they're all. But you, but yeah, you but. can say. Okay, I think that. What particular scene did she buy? Kira. I think Kira sucked. I think Kira sucked. Obviously, I said, talked about it a lot. But I think that that Nana Visitor. But I think that Nana Visitor bought like maybe too much shit to the table. Like she had no chill, and and the way she sort of approached it, and so she had a lot of like spirit and grit, you know, and gumption to her performances. And also on the page, Kira is a much more interesting character than Jadzia was as portrayed in the first season. Yes, but that's the on the page problem. I'm talking that's, about Pharrell that is an on the page problem. And I that, think that, that I'm I, trying to parse out what's on the page and what's like an actual actor's problem. What's the difference here? Well, wait a minute, Hugh. You do find you do find her just kind of a bland actress, right? Yeah, her line readings in season one are just like, I'm reading the lines now. Okay, what do you think, Benjamin? 
Oh, O'Brien, I don't think you think her line readings are just that's, terrible. Well, like, and that's just because <laughs> a lot of the time they gave her one or two lines. She's just reading the lines. There's no, there's nothing behind them. That was my problem in the first. Season. So your problem is, is that they didn't give her like she didn't invent a fully fledged, you know, three dimensional character from like the, the four lines of techno babble she had ending in Benjamin. Yeah. Well, but I think that's that like, I, not, like, to, not fucking, to quote not to quote Vince McMahon, but. They, she needed to grab the ring. Yeah, right. I, I, you know, I, Armin Shimmerman did. Armin Shimmerman, Armin Shimmerman did. did. Garrick is only a recurring character because of how great the actor was. Right. Okay. But I'm just saying, I, I had a hard time thinking that she was all that bad. Is there a specific anecdote about how? Yeah, like, yeah. How hard of a time they had to get her. Well, she was late cast. The the whole thing's everything that I read came from the pilot. Is that she was late cast. For some reason. And so they, they, the they were going to get a woman in a wheelchair and they decided they couldn't afford it. Something or so. Really? Or the, no, you remember when we talked about Melora, her character was supposed to be a man or a male or a female. I don't remember. That's right. In a wheelchair uh, because of zero G thing. But OK, so I think that Kira or I'm sorry, that Jadzia was cast late. Terry Farrell was. And everything had to be re scheduled so that all of her scenes were sort of the last scenes shot so Avery Brooks and Anna Visitor and Alexander Siddig and Colmini had spent all of this time together and she sort of came in and she struggled with Star Trek dialogue. Right and she was the only one that didn't have any Shakespeare experience and she was intimidated by that. Mm -hmm. Mm, Yeah no stage experience. She wasn't learning her lines. I think she came from like the pretty girl route of filmmaking you know like you know she I don't know. I don't know what her st- like sleazy producer in a department store gives her a card. Sort of, you know, you did mo- you do some modeling and then you do a commercial and then she didn't come at the way everybody else did, which is they do just a ton of rec theater, right? Like, which is how I think not a visitor. And yeah, everybody. She, she was an LA person. Like, oh, you're attractive. You should be an actor. It's like, okay, and then she goes yeah. and she auditions for all these TV shows instead of coming up through the theater and how people like to be pretentious about Star Trek characters. Yeah. And I think that in theater, you know, theater gives you a lot more, you're a lot more sturdy of an actor. Like you're like, oh, we were supposed to shoot scene 4B, but now we're going to shoot the scene after that. Who's right, right, Who yeah. knows the lines for that? The theater people probably already know their lines from the scene we're going to shoot three days from now. Terry Farrell probably didn't. She struggled and she is kind of she's not the she's not a vivacious actress she doesn't bring a lot to the page and i think that that just didn't when they were trying to squeeze her into the spock role which could have been like if Leonard nimoy wasn't great as spock that role could have sucked that role could have been boring and shitty you know Leonard Nimoy brought a lot to that, and I just don't think Terry Farrell was bringing that magic to this role. Right. So you get what you got. Yeah. In the first season, and they realized that they had to do a course correction at the end of the, in the second season. They actually talk about it. Where why are we trying to hide this young vivacious woman? Let's just have a young vivacious woman. Mm-hmm. And so then they started writing for that, and what that would mean if you're 350 years old, but you're like you know a 25 year old hard bodied girl. How would you marry the two? And it would look, you know, what if an old man was reincarnated as a 25-year-old hard-bodied girl? And so I think that that's what you get with Jadzia. And I think it works. And I think it, it makes her more interesting. But no, I don't think Terry Farrell is, a, is, is nailing the role either. Even now. 
I think she does fine later. Yeah. Well, this is the first time for me that she kind of turned it around. And and yeah. even if it is just the writers writing towards her, I mean, that's what, especially if you're writing for a TV show for a while, you start even later on in DS9, like uh, Robert Hewitt Wolf, I've noticed talking about like, yeah, you, we knew that we hung out like apparently on Next Generation, the writers and the actors didn't interact very often. Mm-hmm. But on DS9, they did. And so he'd be like, oh, yeah, well, we're going to write towards this actor because... Cole Meany knocks out all these torture roles. Right. He knocks out of that yeah. park, so we're going to keep doing that. <laughs> yes, I think that I agree with that. I think that you get a sense of a lot more sort of a close-knit. And I also, for all of my sort of shitting on, I, I try not to shit on Michael Piller, but for all of my shitting on uh, Iris Stephen Bear, they were searching to make the show better. And they were trying to be responsive. And I think that with what you've seen in the second season so far with Dax and with Bashir, I think that's working. It's working less with Cisco because they're just not doing much with Cisco. Yeah. I feel like Cisco's on autopilot. I thought, yeah, they shake that up soon, but yeah. Yeah. I felt like this episode, they threw like two scenes, a total of seven <laughs> minutes this whole episode to Cisco, but I feel like these are probably some of the best Cisco scenes that we've had. Like when he's. Yeah, I agree. They're, I playing, agree. they're up there. They're definitely up they're there. They're playing chess. They're not playing 3D chess, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. But they're playing chess when we mentioned before mm-hmm. where Cisco gets to mentor Dax. He does the quintessential Avery Brooks. Let me put my hand on my face and just lean back and talk. But he's great. And then, <laughs> and then like, oh, that was a great scene. I was glad we got to see Cisco. And then next scene like, holy shit, we're having a Cisco Jake episode scene where they're talking about this Daba girl. Mm-hmm. And it didn't really relate to everything else. But I enjoyed it because they were such good character scenes between them. Okay, I like everything with Cisco and Jake. I'm just going to ask a question here. Are you supposed to be thinking, because I'm sort of getting, I'm trying to wonder if they're making me, they're trying to make me think, and I know where they go later, but just taking it as it is now, that Jake is, um, like, that Cisco's starting to realize that his son isn't, like, he's dating a stripper. Like, he's not going to, he doesn't want to go to college, and he's dating a stripper. Like, at some point, Cisco's just going to say, I love my son, and I want him to do whatever he wants, as long as he's at, you know, but you, he's divesting, like, his hopes and dreams out of him. (laughs) Yeah. Like, are you supposed to be, like, I mean, why are they doing this with Jake? Why are they making him, why are they bringing him down this path? Because it's so entertaining, that's why, I don't know. (laughs) Like, I agree, I agree. He's going in, and he's like, oh, dad, dad, I've met this girl, I thought you'd be mad. And, and like this is where I love Avery Brooks <laughs> and I've been like critical of Avery Brooks's acting yeah. so far but at some point when Ciroc or Jake is saying oh did O'Brien tell you and I was like no what, what what oh I've met a girl and then Cisco's like well I don't care and he's just like okay <laughs> his his reading of <laughs> yeah okay so, so who gives a shit yeah. was my favorite thing in this whole episode. <laughs> and then when it comes out that she's a Daba girl, his wait, whoa, what? <laughs> was also great. But, but yeah. it's just like nonplus, like, yeah, okay, you met a girl, whatever, was my favorite thing. I, I'm not doing it justice even, but just no, I, yeah, my it, favorite thing this whole episode was Avery Brooks is like, yeah, okay. <laughs> he's great. He's great. He's great. And they, they will one day write a story for him. Like eventually, hopefully soon. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's uh no. So like that, I don't really know where where I'm going. But I think that like at least the writers are trying to sort of develop these characters. And I think they're trying to find a way to tell like that's why we've adopted these C stories. Right. Like the last few weeks is because they're trying to get all of these different character growths through like a lot of different elements. Yeah, yeah. It's Still don't what know. it is. It's they're turning up the, the heat on the lobster in the pot 
very slowly. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah. You know, yeah. And so the lobster doesn't know it's being cooked. And I think that's why we get you know one scene of Jake development per. Mm-hmm. episode no yeah. matter what's going and on Bashi- right. yeah and Bashir was just the host he was like the guy in the first scene oh yeah and w- was he in more than that no no he was really. just the hey look I found I met Arjun on the transport right like, right oh and then the Arjun Cork scene that was also one of my favorite scenes in the thing that was a fine scene and I actually thought that that scene was was a sort of a nice little ph- philosophical scene is that not everybody's destined for greatness asshole some people fuck it up yeah welcome to the losers club basically so yeah so yeah. let's just, just jump through the uh, and we also have a rule in that scene. Um, the best rule of acquisition right, ever. <laughs> right. So, yeah, Arjun is drinking his blue Curacao slash Romulan ale, which is <laughs> Romulan ale is blue. Or no, is it Romulan ale that he's drinking? I don't know. He's drinking a synthale. Synthale, sorry. It's yeah, not... it's a synthale. He's crying in a synthale. Yeah, right, right. Romulan, Romulan ale is also blue, isn't it? Yeah, but Odo would have his ass thrown out for right, right. that. So like... I'm sure they make their ales look like the... You know, it's like getting Dominican cigars or whatever. Yeah, but it's not a Mai Tai. It looks kind of like a Mai Tai. Yeah, it's not a uh, a Star Drifter or, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, so he's drinking his sorrows and then Quark comes up and tells, and you know, it's like the quintessential barkeep. Hey, buck up. It's not that bad except Quark. And he thinks he's trying to like be the bartender that's telling him everything's going to be okay. He's like... Oh, no, no, no. Welcome to the Losers Club, buddy. You're just like me. Yeah. You Welcome to DS9. This is where the losers hang out, you know? Like, and that's what sets this show apart from the other Star Trek. Exactly. Is that <laughs> this is a world where people can fail. Yes. Where their actions have real consequences, and the stakes are a little bit higher on DS9. Right. Because mm. Quark tells him a story about how he was interning for this, the... Uh, Sub-Nagus... Yeah, the subnagus on Sub-Nagus, quadrant. Yeah. Who cares? And and then we get rule one hundred and twelve of the rules of acquisition is never have sex with the boss's sister. <laughs> not, right. not sleep which with is, like which is as close as a, as an origin story for Quark as we're going to get. Right, right. Yes, yeah, that's yeah. a great origin. You only get one shot at the latinum staircase, buddy. Once you once yeah. you thrown it out of the way, it's <laughs> gone. So welcome to the losers club. <laughs> welcome to the club, mm-hmm. he says. But anyway, that 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 and the Cisco are my favorite scenes. And then, you know, the pocket universe is expanding. They figure out there's a civilization. The Starfleet guys in Odo are like, sorry, we can't kill it. Cisco has his Borg reminiscent, like he can't be as indifferent as the Borg and just kill a whole universe. Kira's like, fuck it, kill him. That's my girl. Yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> Arjun and Dax. She just screams, you pussy. <laughs> yeah. To everybody. Yes. Yeah. yes. She shakes her fist violently. Yes. Arjun and Dax get it. My my angry nerd corner is that you can just teleport a pocket universe, which is like, seems weird to me. <laughs> You should. They, There's they, be a lot of inform, a lot of molecular information right, that would have right, to go right. into that stream. Yeah. I'll get into that. My what we would change. So <laughs> then they have to pilot through the wormhole. We finally get a note mention of verterons, which are what keeps a wormhole stable. The only other mention we've had of that is from in episode one of season two when mm-hmm. O'Brien's wife Keiko says that's what keeps the wormhole stable. Whatever. He's a level five pilot. He can fly through. They fly through. They drop the wormhole off. Everybody lives happily ever after. 
So one of the things that, like, while the pocket universe was expanding, it exploded a huge hole in the outer ring, which they quarantine off. I get all of that. But how do they, like, I just remember, like, a material standpoint. It's not a Federation starship. It's a Cardassian ship. So, like, all of the materials, the design of that, it's a very particular design. It would all have been Cardassian-made, sort of. You would have got it at the Cardassian Home Depot home repair sort of thing. You couldn't get it from the Federation, but I'm assuming that when they repair it, it looks exactly like it did the first episode so i would have liked to have seen like it seems to me that it would make more sense if every time they do one of these exploding a hole in the ship things <laughs> or in the space station it looks like it's patched over by like some some other regulation uh like fabrication material <laughs> you get to see some starfleet architecture like just as it's like a cock ring off to the side <laughs> like oh like like is it like a i would love i feel like <laughs> at this point especially with the idic philosophy and starfleet uh. and the federation philosophy it would be like how do we make starfleet architecture flow naturally (laughs) do some frank lloyd wright shit to make it work with cardassian architecture and incorporate their that's an episode for you that would is that the hole the hole in the outer ring is still not fixed so they got some fancy pants as uh architect to come down and and that rubs uh o'brien's elbows through the whole episode (laughs) that would be so great (laughs) like because o'brien wants to fix what is that season like 10 that's like we did season 10 yes. of ds9 <laughs> yeah. yes so that was the one thing i noticed is because i'm sure next episode it looks exactly the same <laughs> yeah those models are expensive do you know how expensive they it would <laughs> cost to, to redo that mm-hmm. they had effects shot this episode that were new i'm pretty sure exactly that looked great the opening effects shot docking was one i didn't recognize and in the light pouring out of the holes with some great practical effect model shit you like the some good <laughs> lights man yeah i agree it was good are we are we ready to move on to what we would change Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. What yeah. would we change? Oh. Yeah, I thought that was a little bit of what you would change right there, but uh, it was a little bit. I don't know. <laughs> well, I was going to say what I was going to do is to sort of coincide the themes of it would have been that's what I would have tried to have done. Mm. Because I think this episode would have felt a lot better if the Dax storyline was pitched differently. Mm. And the one way to do that would be if Argent wasn't almost good enough to be a trill but was absolutely not good enough to be a conjoined trill oh yeah right and so then it was about jadzia managing this art argus's is it argus argin with an N. argin you said arliss i said arliss <laughs> the hbo show like the robert wall hbo show yeah yes. yeah but like if she was managing our arliss's uh <laughs> sort of like dude you're you're a little person you know like you're not you're a worker you know like and i don't know like how that would have been some sort of things is the there's the bigger lives and smaller life. Yeah. We kind of had that in invasive procedures. Only the yeah. trill society wasn't fleshed out enough. You're right. You're right. Or fleshed out in the same way it was here to actually do that. You're right. That was all I got. Cause I mean, like, cause that was the biggest issue to me is those two incongruous themes. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how much that's what I got. I mean, I don't, I don't have a whole lot either. My whole thing, like, yeah, my meta commentary on this episode is that it's also the writers coming to terms with Terry Farrell's version of the character. Even at one point, um, she says, I've been slowly coming to terms with Jed Zia not being Curzon. And you could even, yeah, they've she's been slowly coming to terms with being Jed Zia and not Curzon, Dax, 
for two seasons now because they haven't figured it out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's almost like, yeah, we've been trying to figure it out, and I've been slowly coming to terms with what it means to be this character instead of what people expected of me and thought I should have been, which is like, oh, that's what why the Dax character hasn't worked because they're trying to sell... Dax as what they think she should be instead of what we'll say Terry Farrell should be or that the actor's capable of. So that's that's actually a thing that I love. That that for me, this is the turnaround episode. I hope <laughs> I haven't watched so far ahead. This is what progress was in season one. Uh-huh. This is where I'm gonna this is where I'm apologizing to Terry Farrell for all the shit we talked about her. <laughs> I, I'm sure I will get there at some point. <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm hoping that it turns around. I mean, some of her line readings I might not have, not have liked, like the very end where she's like, I'm Jadzia, not Curzon. I didn't, but you know, that's my prop. It, she does fine. So whatever. Yeah. Well, actually, what I would have changed about this episode is a little bit angry nerd corner. Um, I had slightly mentioned before, like, you can just teleport a proto universe. That's crazy to me. It, they should have <laughs> once they once they figure they should it should have taken longer to figure out they have a proto universe on their hands. One uh-huh. like when they crash into the subspace seaweed, they should have been like, we can't transport it for some reason. So they they get towed into the station like they do. That happens in the show, and then they should have been like, we can't teleport it. Why can't we teleport it? Okay, we will shuttle it in uh-huh. and get it into containment unit, and then the uh, voles bite the thing and it expands. Okay, that's angry nerd corner on my part. So, but but at the same time, yeah, they should have been like it should have been a bigger amazement that they found a proto universe. They talk about like, <laughs> oh, it'll destroy this whole sector. If it's a whole fucking universe, it could wipe the whole fucking universe out. Star Trek only <laughs> takes place in the galaxy. There's millions and there's innumerable galaxies in the universe. Mm-hmm. And a galaxy is too much for any of us to keep a hold of. We can see other galaxies, but there's so many more. A universe, a proto-universe, would be... That's bigger than anything anyone's ever experienced, ever. And except that maybe Starfleet has things in their files about proto-universes. It may have even come up in one of the 700 episodes of Star Trek up until this point or whatever. Uh-huh. But at the same time, I feel like the characters should have... They should have either been more impressed, more surprised, have a bigger reaction to a proto-universe. That's one. And that was probably in the original screenplay that was right. focused heavily on that. Yeah, yeah. You're right. I thought that about they that, probably too. Just... Like, I bet that maybe in an earlier draft it was a bigger deal. And then also... Yeah, it's a much bigger deal. It would be a much bigger deal. Yeah. yeah. And then just don't teleport it. You should have been like, why can't we teleport it? Because it's a fucking universe. And also <laughs> her, the first time I watched it, like, she's talking about, like, her um, realization that there's, a, that there's life forms in it. It was kind of like, oh, because entropy, the entropy levels are different. She can suddenly tell that there's life in it. Like, oh. mm-hmm. But then, OK, if you're saying that life creates form instead of entropy, I guess that's something. But mm-hmm. that was my big it's thing. not totally true, but yeah. But I actually liked this episode more or less. Yeah. And Hugh? Um, basically, this should have been its own episode with the with the universe. I, I agree that the, the universe discovery itself should have been a... a uh, 
a bigger deal. I think what I thought was interesting that they just basically touched on was the characterization of Odo not stepping on any ants. For some reason, when he said that one line and I was watching, I'm like, why couldn't this be what the whole episode is about? <laughs> they discover this thing. They're all unanimous. Yeah, let's just let's just snuff it out. And then Odo is like the lone objector, and he mm-hmm. is like 12 Angry Men type situation where he's got to turn everybody oh, there you go. to his way of thinking. Because But people already bitch enough about DS9 throwing out Roddenberry's vision and corrupting the Prime Directive. That's the Prime Directive. You don't interfere with other intelligent or even life. Well, I think that they probably would have had in the second act discovered that life was in it. I mean, I'm that's what, that's my whole thing. Is mm-hmm. it the first act is the discovery, the awe. Yeah, and then talking and about how to destroy it. How to they, destroy they come up with it. A plan. And then the second act, discovery of life, the issue. Odo is basically these guys. I mean, his life doesn't look like their life form. Mm -hmm. He is a sentient sludge that can change his appearance. He's got more, the dealing with him having more in common with these things or potentially having, maybe he has more in common. You know, that's the angle that maybe that's where he's coming at. It's interesting to me, more interesting than what they did. No, no, I agree with that. That's that's why, and I think that the Trill intern cousin Arjun come into the station (laughs) storyline is... It served its purpose. I think you've made a better case for it than I I thought was there. Like, I'm more on board with it after hearing you talk about mm-hmm. what it achieved. I didn't look at the meta aspect, but I definitely see it now. And I think maybe that could have been a decent B plot. I mean, I think it, you could have had them in the same episode. Yeah, yeah. Just um, It should have been the B plot. It shouldn't have been two different, like, half-hour episodes. Yeah. buttressed against it yeah, itself. Exactly. <laughs> That's it for all that we would change. You guys want to guess on what the Star Trek Deep Space Nine fandom at large thinks about it on the IMDb? 7.0. Uh, 6.8. Both of you way overshooting this. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, really? Uh, good, yeah. good. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is is actually on the lower end of the votes. It's got 536 votes and it's got 6.4 out of 10. Really? Wow. What was yeah. the last one we did that... Well, the last one, like, you guys, you basically, it was 7.2, Shadow Play. People really yeah. liked Shadow Play. Oh, Shadow Play really? sucked. This was better than Shadow Play. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think Shadow <laughs> Play at least had some heart. <laughs> uh, I mean, I like the writer for Shadow Play, but I didn't like it very much. It was boring. Uh, I like this. Yeah. Is, yeah. Well, I, I, mean, if, I think I like this one more. If yeah. you guys feel that the, like the people on IMDb are wrong, by all means, go to IMDb. <laughs> go look up Playing God and and pump up the stars on this particular episode. I would like to see the rules of acquisition. Audience, uh, move the dial. <laughs> On the, get the, R, on the, get the ROA bump. Yeah. yeah, I think they should move. You guys out there, if you're listening and you feel strongly <laughs> that the IMDb people are wrong, you should move the dial on this thing a little bit. <laughs> yes, fair enough. All right. Next week's ep- next week's episode is a Garrick episode, oh. and it has Bing Crosby's daughter in it. Wait, yes. which, what's the name of this one? Profit and loss. Oh, okay. Profit as in uh, Quark's profit, not Kira's profit. Like Quark profit, not, yeah, for yeah, profit, yeah. not, pro, not mm. Bajoran. Okay. Yes. I was like, we're not to the but, wire yet, are we? It's like, oh. No, no. That's, no, but Garrick. We got yeah. Garrick. Yeah, yeah. Here, so yeah. We're, we're good. 
a few later we're we'll getting get to the wire and that's the best that's a great garrick episode yeah i don't even know if i remember that one but i'm looking forward to it i don't remember it either but that's one people talk about <laughs> this this season's long it's 26 episodes 26 episodes yeah yeah we're going to a long too we should just shut it down <laughs> yeah all right let's go <laughs> on that note three to beam out all righty all right Okay, that was Playing God. Man, I was really cagey on that episode. Really, really the odd man out. That's all right. Um, I have not watched this episode, Playing God, the actual episode. No, I'm not talking about the podcast. Uh, since <laughs> since watching it for this podcast. But I imagine uh, maybe I would be a little bit more generous about it nowadays. I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, one thing that we talked quite a bit about in this episode was Terry Farrell's career. So I thought I'd get into that a little bit for the remix. Um, according to IMDb, she at 15, she became a foreign exchange student to Mexico. And from that experience, she decided she would live a more adventurous life in the big city. She sent several photos to a modeling agency and then at the age of 17 dropped out of high school and became a model in new york uh she's of course most famously known for her role as jedzia dax in television series deep space nine uh but she did have some acting experience before that uh, in 1992 she had the starring role in the horror movie hellraiser 3 hell on earth uh she also appeared in several television and straight to video movies she also dated actors Michael Dorn and Mickey Rourke while on Star Trek Deep Space Nine. See, I didn't know that. I didn't know that her or uh, Michael Dorn had any like off-screen connection, which might uh, figure into their on-screen chemistry. Their two characters having such believable chemistry. I don't know. Maybe it's food, food for thought. The IMDb description does not mention uh, Pharrell's role on the movie back to school uh so anyway i thought that was that's a notable movie i i thought anyway at the end of her career it's interesting uh i think it's a well documented thing but i think it's worth going over how poorly she treated she was for all of our spec speculation on how hard of a time she had james was kind of right she was a model she didn't have any formal acting training so maybe there was some catch-up i don't know i don't know if it, who's being uh, not quite generous. Uh, but anyway, here's a, a quote from Memory Alpha from the 50-year mission the next 25 years. Uh, Farrell revealed that she had enough of Berman, whom she described as a misogynist, who regularly criticized her appearance. When her contract had ended, she wanted to do less episodes, but he refused. Quote, basically, he was trying to bully me into saying, yes. He was convinced that my cards were going to fold and I was going to sign up. He had another producer come up to me and say, if you weren't here, you'd be working at Kmart. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? I had a career before this. Why the hell would I be working at Kmart? Who are you? Just to be jerky, he called me into his trailer. Have you been thinking about it yet? Are you going to sign? Like I said, like right before I had a scene, that kind of thing. Rick Berman said, I was hardballing him and I was like, no, I'm not. I just want to have a conversation. You're going to give me a ticket or leave it offer, and I'm not okay with that. So I finally had a conversation with him and asked to cut down my number of episodes or just let me out. And of course, we all know that she went on to Becker. 
But I think it's interesting that these guys thought so little of her. Like, I mean, these guys were horrible. Who I don't know who this unnamed producer is, um, but it's these these people are obviously horrible. And I think that they thought they didn't. Obviously, they didn't think much of her acting, but they were so. I don't know. It's kind of a sticky wicket, as they say. Terry Farrell's uh, career is fraught with these kind of things because, of course, she went on to leave Becker in the middle of that series, too. So I don't know. Um, all right. Well, that's it for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you come back next week for another remix. If you like uh, talk about other things like politics or other science fiction shows and movies, you should check out our Patreon. It's Patreon backslash Kickers of Elves. We have a lot of cool stuff there, including a multi-part series on Dune, uh, where we have we talk about the book, we talk about the miniseries, we talk about the lunch film, uh, and I think we even talk about the book sequels to a certain degree. Anyway, it's a nice primer on what we think about Dune. You should check that out. Anyway, thanks again for listening. One to be mount. Did you know that some Deep Space Nine podcasts have more than us? Doesn't that piss you off? Guys, I am starting to think this whole show is rigged. I hate to say it, but it's rigged. And let me tell you why. It's rigged because we are winning. And now you got all these sex bots coming out saying all sorts of things, terrible things. Don't believe them, they are lies. It was just some maintenance room talk and now these sex bots come out. Go look at some of these sex bots, I would not be touching their poor build architecture, believe me. It's all rigged. I am so lonely. <laughs>